Today we're joined by CCS Head of School, Ryan Hyde. In our faith, um, and that we would be confident in your word and in your truths, and that we would, uh, we would take action to live them out in our everyday life. We pray this all in Christ's name, amen. All right, well, um, we're not going to get there for a little bit, uh, but if you want to, if you're taking notes, you can have your note open up. We're eventually going to be in the Old Testament. I don't want to give it away yet, I, I suppose, because I'm going to ask you for some, uh, some examples later. Uh, but there's going to be a handful of uh, times here for some interaction from you guys, so stick with me. But here's the deal. The main goal today, the main objective today, is to talk about intentional living. And that requires uh, sacrifice and action to meet our goals. Um, I want to start by actually talking about one of our own students. Um, Anytime we want to grow in any area of our life, it's going to require some form of sacrifice, some form of behavior change to reach a goal or to see growth in an area. Uh, if you've been paying attention to our basketball teams this year, we've had, some, uh, we've had some awesome basketball games. I know it's kind of been a bummer of a year for attendance if you're watching those online. We've had some crazy games recently. I think Ethan hit a crazy three, like right as time was expiring just a week or so ago. That was awesome. Um, and then about, well, it wasn't just days ago as well, uh, another one of our uh, basketball players uh, signed for Heidelberg University, and that would be Alicia Carter, which is a really cool thing. Yeah, you can give her a round of applause. That's a cool thing right there. Now, I gave Alicia a microphone, and Alicia's going to talk for a minute. It was obviously a goal of Alicia's to continue playing basketball uh, at the college level. That doesn't happen by accident. Any goal in life that we set, we can't just accidentally go about our life and hope that we reach that goal. Alicia could, she couldn't just wake up every day and go about her normal daily stuff and just do the normal practice thing and just hope, hey, hopefully when it's time to get ready for college, I'm just ready for college basketball. It requires sacrifice and intentional living. So Alicia's actually got a microphone, and she's going to talk for a little bit. She's in the balcony, so you probably won't be able to see her, but you'll be able to hear about uh, some of those sacrifices that it took. So Alicia, take it away. So yeah, like Mr. Hyde said, um, becoming a collegiate athlete wasn't something that you could just decide one day and then wake up the next day completely ready. It definitely did take a lot of time and effort and sacrifice in order to um, prepare for that goal. Uh, for me personally, it took a lot of training hours, uh, two to three times a week, an hour at Union Station's gym with uh, Trey Huntsman, training really hard for that. Um, and there was also never really an off season. Like usually you have volleyball, basketball, and then track. For me, it was really basketball all year long. In the winter, uh, we had, of course, the Calvary basketball season. And in the spring, I did AAU, which is a bunch of people from different schools get together and they play um, against some really good competition. And in the fall, there was a fall league that I did, which is about the same as AAU. Um, yeah, just if you ever have a goal, you have to be willing to put in the effort in order to reach the goal because without that, then you're just saying words and not putting any action into it. 
So, yeah, that's what I did. All right, thank you. Sacrifice and action. It doesn't happen by accident. Um, and we have many students who have reached many different goals in their lives, and the point is, it doesn't happen by accident. Yet, for some reason, we have this idea that in our Christian walk, we can somehow just go through the motions of our daily life and we're going to grow closer to God and we're going to be able to discern His will better. It's just going to happen because we're around other Christians. Guys, that's not true. If we're going to grow spiritually, it's going to require sacrifice, commitment, and action. How many of you are in economics right now? You just started economics. We got some of our juniors over here, seniors. You've already taken economics. All right, I'm going to give you an economic term. And we'll give 10 fake hide stars. I'll throw them out to you, whoever gets it. Uh, who can tell me, what does the term opportunity cost mean? Opportunity cost. I would say you're making Lacrone nervous. But she's only, you know, this is, your, this is your first group. Have you covered this term already? Oh, they're all like, yes, we should know this. What does opportunity cost mean? Does anybody want to have a go at this? Who can do it? Oh, Isaac's like, he's Googling it right now, actually. That's why he's like, he's not taking notes, he's Googling it. All right, so here's the deal. Uh, opportunity cost is an economic term, which economics is the study of choice. Uh, they look at money, um, but it's the study of choice. Um, and simply it says, well, if I spend my money on this item... Obviously, I can't spend it on that item. I've got 50 bucks. I, I, uh, I buy whatever for $50. Well, I've got a few other things over here worth $50. I now cannot purchase those items. And it's the same thing with how we choose to spend our time, right? I could choose to spend my time on these activities over here. But if I do that, I now cannot spend my time on these activities over here. Earlier in the year, we had Tyler Reinhardt come back and, and speak. You guys remember that message? He had all the weird stuff up here, like toenails and all that business. He, uh, some of the things he had, if you remember that he was putting into that cookie dough, they weren't necessarily bad things, right? Some of the specific things were like Cheetos. Okay, I like Cheetos. Uh, Cheetos aren't necessarily bad, but when you add them specifically to cookie dough, okay, that's not how I want, I don't want Cheeto-flavored cookie dough. That's nasty. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, that same thing applies to this with opportunity cost. If I, if I have a goal of wanting to grow in a certain area, I've got to spend time in that area. Felicia's got a goal of playing college basketball on someday. Well, like she said, that's, that's hard, consistent work and sacrifice. She had an opportunity cost here. She probably had opportunities to hang out with her friends. She probably had opportunities to just Netflix and chill. But instead, she is at basketball practice. She is in the weight room. She's doing those things. Um, there was a story that I had heard uh, of, a, of a businessman, uh, and, th and this kind of goes along with opportunity costs. Now, he, his salary had been growing, and he had always told his wife, you know, when I reach $100,000, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy this $40,000 Mercedes car. It's just a beautiful car. I'm going to go buy that as soon as I reach $100,000. And, you know, a few years later, he reached $100,000. So, he goes to the dealership. He gets the car. The guy says, hey, test drive it for a day. 
and the guy, you know, the guy gets in this car, and it's beautiful. It looks amazing. He drives it home, and like you can imagine, like the wife comes out screaming, like you did it. You're so successful. This is beautiful. It's amazing. All of our dreams are coming true. The neighbors are looking at this thing, like this thing is beautiful. And he kind of gets out, and he kind of thinks about this. $40,000 is a lot of money, right? That's a lot of money. So he thinks about this. And this guy is smart with money. And he knows that if he invests his $40,000, years later, it's going to be worth a lot more. Say it grows at 7 8%, whatever, uh, you know, year over year. Compound interest in that, it's going to grow. So the guy says, you know what, I, I really want this car, but that's just not a good decision. The opportunity cost there isn't a great decision for me because if I let this money sit, it could grow even bigger. So time goes by, he doesn't get the car. And then the story fast forwards about 12 years, and the guy, he's driving, you know, he's still successful. And at this point, he has bought a nice vehicle, a nicer vehicle. And a car pulls up to him at the stop sign, or at the stoplight. And it's that same model of the Mercedes car. And the guy, like, goes, oh, that was the exact car I wanted. This is great. He rolls down the window. Hey, that's an awesome car. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, I just bought it. It's amazing. I love this thing. He goes, how much did you pay for it? He said it was $4,000. What a deal. So in that 12 years, that car value had dropped from $40,000 to $4,000. Meanwhile, the $40,000 that guy had deposited into an investment account had grown exponentially to almost $300,000. So you look at the opportunity cost of that situation. The guy had the opportunity to purchase a vehicle that he really liked that immediately is going to plummet in value, and instead he'd invest that money and lets it grow over time. Which one would you rather be? Would you rather be the guy with a nice car with $300,000 or the guy with a $4,000 car 10 years, 12 years later? I'd rather be the guy with $300,000. There's opportunity cost to every decision we make. If we choose to do something, there's something else we can't do. So we need to be aware of what those are. Now, I'm going to pull up a couple... Uh, examples here of some famous athletes. You guys may recognize some of these people. So Cristiano Ronaldo. How many of you guys have heard of this, this guy right here? Cristiano Ronaldo. All right. So Ronaldo, uh, obviously, you see the picture there. Famous soccer player, if you've got no idea who he is. Uh, and it's really the same thing. You know, you just heard Alicia talk. It's the same thing for these people who are successful. You know, you kind of imagine, oh, you're just... You're just born with it, right? All these athletes that are amazing at what they do, they're just born with it. They're, they, you know, they won the, you know, the gene lottery pool, and they're just lucky, and they're just fortunate. You know, God just gave them all these gifts and these talents. Well, sure, God gave them gifts and talents, but they had to make a lot of decisions uh, to, to grow that talent, that skill, and there was a lot of sacrifice and commitment and action to make it happen. So here's some of the things I put up here about Cristiano Ronaldo because, you know, he's probably one of the top two players in the world today. And if you're a soccer guy, we can argue about Messi. Gabe would probably argue me that maybe Messi's better. I don't know about that. Um, Messi never played for Manchester United, though, so Ronaldo has the edge. But what we have here is that he says he eats five meals a day. He eats one breakfast, he eats two lunches, and he eats two dinners. I do not eat five meals a day. He has, he's tailored all this. It's very specific meals at each time, and it's like, it's like clockwork there. 
He sleeps at least eight hours a night. Okay, how many of you get at least eight hours a night? I know Mrs. LaCrone does not get eight. She's like eight minutes a night right there. Some of you get eight hours a night. Uh, on top of that, he says he takes up to five naps per day. Five naps per day. Can you imagine that? I can't remember the last time I napped, a period. Who still naps here? Do any of you actually still nap? Some of you still, some of you do still nap. That must be nice. Five naps per day. And then he even trains after his games. And many of his teammates have talked about this. You know, I'd imagine, you know, many soccer players, uh, you know, that sport specifically, there's obviously a lot of running. Uh, a midfielder may run 8 to 11 miles per game. That's a lot of running, right? That's a lot of running. Now, if you're a forward, he's a forward. He's probably not going to run quite as much, but it's still going to be, you know, close to 7, uh, especially if he has to track back on defense a bit. 7 miles game. I'd be tired after running at even seven, even five miles. I mean, one mile for me, and I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm getting pretty tired here. The last thing I'm about to do is go do more training. But he's well known for after his games, going to the weight room, training, getting back in the field, doing ball work. And it's like, what, what are you doing? We just finished the game. Let's go home. There's sacrifice. There's commitment. How many of you guys have heard of Michael Phelps? Who can tell me what sport Michael Phelps was in? Yeah, he's a famous swimmer, right? And I think at this point, he's retired. But Michael Phelps, he was also pretty well known for his unusual diet. Have any of you heard of this before? There have been like skits made about this kind of, it's just, it's the most ridiculous thing ever. Now, if you've been in a pool and you've swam for a period of time, it's tiring, right? Like when you go swim in the pool, you're, you're, you're pretty much, who knows what that was, you're pretty much roasted for the end of the day, and you're just gonna you're, you're just gonna be exhausted. So, he would intake a crazy amount of calories to fuel him through the day. This is a typical day of of twelve thousand calories. Now, normal diets are based on two thousand calories. There are people that eat a little bit less. Some people eat a little bit more. But you know, two to four thousand is probably going to be your range of normal you know caloric intake there. 12,000 calories per day. Look at what he would eat while he was training. And I may even uh, have a little bit that's not even in the picture there. So we have an omelet that's three to six eggs, which three to six eggs, that, that, that's a large omelet in and of itself. And that's just the first thing. Uh, one bowl of maize breakfast cereal, uh, French toast with powdered sugar, three chocolate chip pancakes, and two cups of coffee. Uh, that's a big breakfast. And then he'd have uh, a big bowl of pasta and tomato sauce, two ham and cheese sandwiches, two energy drinks. Okay, that's lunch. And then for dinner, he'd have another big bowl of pasta and sauce, an entire large meat pizza, and two more energy drinks. That's an insane amount of food, right? <laughs> that would feed my family for like a week. That is a, uh, that is a crazy commitment to make. This guy won 28 Olympic medals. 23 of those 28 Olympic medals were gold. And he did it over four, uh, four Olympic cycles. And, you know, how often do they have the Olympics? You only have the Olympics every four years. And that, how hard would that be? Because, you know, you go and compete, and now you've got to keep yourself in top condition 
for four full years before you get your chance to race again. And when you're in a sport like swimming or many of these Olympic sports, the margin for error is so small. You know, a hundredth of a second, whether it's a race on the track or a swim in the pool, the margin for error is so small. So to be that successful is really amazing. But you see the commitment that it took uh, for Michael Phelps to be successful. And he said he swam for six hours a day, six hours a day. And again, I don't know how many of you guys have pools, but if you really go and you swim, like a lot of times we get in the pool and we're just floating around, right? We're not like really swimming as hard as we can, you know, timing ourselves. To be swimming for six hours, pretty much going as hard as you can, okay, well, that makes sense why you got to eat like a whole pizza and a whole bunch of sandwiches and all that crazy food because that's an incredible amount of, of exertion on your body. Uh, so, again, the point here, there was a goal. Did the goal require sacrifice? Yeah, we can say yes. It would probably take a long time to eat all that food, right? Like how long did you have to sit down before you could finish an omelet, a bowl of corn, uh, breakfast cereal, French toast, three chocolate chip pancakes, and two cups of coffee. Like, that'd probably take me a long time to eat all that food. It requires commitment. It requires action. It requires action. Um, not just good thoughts. Like, what if Michael Phelps just, like, sat down and was like, hey, guys, I intend to be a good swimmer one day, and I hope that it happens. Is he gonna? Is he gonna? Is he gonna win 23 gold medals in his career? I intend to be a good swimmer, and I hope that it happens. Probably not. A lot of us have good intentions, but the question for us is how do we take our good intentions and we turn them into action? How many of you are McDonald's fans in here? McDonald's fans. Okay. Um, you probably don't remember this, but back in the 90s, McDonald's ran a big campaign, okay? They, uh, they put out all these surveys, right? You know, the, these big firms, they spend millions and millions of dollars in marketing because they want to know exactly what their customer wants, and they want to provide that for you, so they make money. So they're putting out all of these surveys. It's the late 80s. It's the early 90s. And do you know what they found from their people? from their, their loyal McDonald's customers. You know what the people wanted? They wanted a healthy option on the McDonald's menu. So McDonald's says, hey, this is what the people want. We are going to make it for them. Now we'll see if anybody remembers a sandwich, and this probably be teachers because this is we're talking early 90s right here. Who remembers the McLean? The McLean. They came out with the McLean sandwich, and it was 90% fat-free, and it was the healthiest burger on the menu, and nobody wanted it. Nobody ate it. The sales were so bad that they nicknamed it the McFlopper. And it was off the menu in a very short time period. Let's go, why is that? They had all this data, they had all this research showing them, this is what the people are saying. If we had a healthy option on your menu, we would eat at McDonald's more. Well, here it is, and those people still go up to the counter and they go, 
give me a Big Mac. I don't want that 90% fat-free, nasty-looking thing. Give me the good stuff. Do you think that people had good intentions? I think they had good intentions. People intend to eat healthy, right? We're a little bit after New Year's. Yeah, that's a common New Year's resolution. I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to eat healthy. You know, I hear that every year. How long does it take for a New Year's resolution to fade away? It's a really, really short time. Because most people have good intentions about what they do. We intend to do the right things. We intend to behave in a certain way, but many times our actions don't back that up. So how do we move from good intentions to good actions? Um, you know, it's almost Valentine's Day, right? we got a couple days till Valentine's Day. Along this, this train of thought here, I've thought, you know what? I'm just going to intend to give my wife some flowers and some chocolate. And I'm just going to intend to give her a card. I'm not actually going to do it. Um, I'm just, but I'm going to intend to. And she'll probably be pleased with that, right? You think she'll be happy? She'll be like, hey, you thought about it. You intended to get me some stuff. You didn't do anything. You thought about it. She'll be happy, right? She won't be mad. Okay, Emma's saying no. You probably want to see action, right? She'll probably say, what do you mean you thought about getting flowers? That doesn't count. You don't get points for thinking about doing something nice and romantic. Don't say, ooh, I'm very romantic. <laughs> I'm just kidding here. Um, did you get the idea? She would look at that. She'd go, that doesn't count. Hey, do you think God kind of says the same thing a little bit? Oh, hey, God, I had, I had intentions. I had intentions to pray. God, I know, I know you care about that. I thought about praying. Hey, God, I was going to read my Bible. I was going to read it. I had good intentions. Uh, but another game of Fortnite came up, and my buddies were in the game, and I just played a little bit longer than I thought. And by the time I was done, I was really tired, and I needed to get my eight hours of sleep because that's what Cristiano Ronaldo does. So I did not have time to read my Bible. Yeah, sometimes we get good intentions, but it doesn't turn into action, does it? And that's something we got to think about intentionally. We can't let these things happen accidentally. Um, and we have to look to be intentional in all areas of our lives. You know, I brought up a financial example earlier with the man with the car and the money grew over time. Um, you know, handling your finances is an important thing. That's why we offer an entire course. Uh, financial literacy, right? How many of you guys have taken financial literacy? Some of you up there in the balcony. So we offer a whole course of financial literacy. It's an important topic. You need to know how to, how to manage your money. Uh, and, and for people who just, they don't manage it, they're not intentional with it, they're not purposeful, what state do you think their finances are in? It's not good. If they don't know where their money's going, then it's just, it's just going. It's just, it's just flying all over the place, and they have no control over it. So how do we become purposeful in all areas of our lives? It doesn't happen by mistake. Now, I'm going to have you chat with your friends around you. Here's something I want you to talk about. Can you think of an example in the Bible where somebody, uh, somebody 
lived intentionally. And what I mean by they, they were called to action because of their faith, because of their knowledge and faith in God. They were called to action, and usually in, in some pretty crazy ways. Let me give you like 30 to 60 seconds here. Chat with someone around you. Can you think of an example in the Bible where someone heard the word and they were called to action? Okay, go. All right, we're going to pause right there. Let's go up into the balcony. Let's go up to the balcony first. I'm going to look at one of our, black, our, our, our bleacher creatures up there in the back row. Uh, so let's see here. Who, who's hiding over there behind Anastasia? Let's see here. Let's, oh, I saw, I saw, I saw Trichu up there. After I put on my glasses. All right, Zeke. Zeke, you're probably loud enough here. Let, let's hear. What was an example that you guys discussed of someone who was driven to action by their faith? Noah. Noah. Great example right there. Took a long time to build that ark, right? It's a great example of faith. Just spurred on by action. Okay, we got an example down here. Reagan, go for it. Okay, Elijah. Great example there as well. Let's get one over here, someone, the 7th, 8th grade guy, crew over here, looking here in the front. Okay, our Ronaldo fan, who'd you guys talk about? Paul, okay, okay, good example. Uh, okay, Mr. Lambert, okay, sure, Joseph, good example, Sarah, David, okay, sure. David and Goliath, let's get, let's get one more. I want one more from the high school crew over here. Joe, who'd you guys talk about? Moses. Moses. Great example as well. Look, the Bible is full of examples of people who they heard God's word and they were driven to action. They didn't just have good intentions. I mean, Noah was one of the first ones mentioned, hey, God told me to build an ark. I meant to do it. I was really going to. But I didn't, and I had no action. Well, that's a problem. That's not obedience. 
That's a problem. David, David was mentioned. Who's going to defeat this Philistine? Well, I know you'll defeat him, God, and I, you know, I was, I was going to go down there and try to fight him, but, you know, he's pretty big, and I just, there's an army here. I'm just going to let them keep taking care of it. That's a problem. We need to have action that's backing this up. Now, what we're going to look at today, so if you, uh, if you want to turn with me, you can. I have an example that I didn't think anybody would mention, and it didn't come up, and it's from the Old Testament, from 2 Kings and eventually we're going to be in 2 Kings 23. I'm going to read a little bit from 2 Kings 22. Uh, how many of you can recall King Josiah? King Josiah? All right, we know that when Israel, they asked for kings to be like the other nations. Were many of these kings good? Unfortunately, they were not good. We're told repeatedly they turned away from the Lord. They forgot God's ways, and they ruled how they wanted to. Now, by King Josiah's reign, it had gotten so bad that the word of the law was completely lost. Like, it was just not a part of their culture at all. It was completely lost. Now, before I get to 23, I'm going to give you a little bit of background here. I'm going to be in 22 because King Josiah basically sends someone in his, in his court to go look for something. And while he's looking for this thing, what does he find? He finds the book of the law. And he's like, whoa, guys, look at this. Look at this thing that I found. I'm going to go ahead and read this. And he reads it to King Josiah. And the Bible says this. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest. Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Ekbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary of Asiah, uh, the king's attendant. And he says, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for all uh, the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has just been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. The book of the law is found. It's read to King Josiah. And what's his response? He says, guys, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're not obeying any of this. This needs to change immediately. And if we fast forward to chapter 23... We see some of the action that King Josiah brought. I'm only going to read 1 through 7. It says, Then the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the prophets, all of the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which has been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by the pillar, and he renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul, thus confirming the words of the covenant written in this book. Then all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. 
The king ordered Hilkiah the high priest, the priest next in rank, and the doorkeepers to remove from the temple of the Lord all the articles made for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts. He burned them outside Jerusalem in the books of the Kidron Valley, and he took the ashes to Bethel. He did away with the idolatrous priests appointed by the kings of Judah to burn incense on the high places of the towns of Judah and on those around Jerusalem. Those who burned incense, uh, incense to Baal, to the sun and moon, to the constellations, and to all the starry hosts. He took the Asherah pole from the temple of the Lord to the Kidron Valley outside Jerusalem, and he burned it there. He grounded it into powder, and he scattered the dust over the graves of the common people. This chapter goes on, but you get the idea. Josiah heard the word of the law presented to him. And his response was, we haven't been doing this. This is not how we're intended to live, and we need to change things right now. So he gathers everybody up. He says, we're going to follow this covenant. And what does he do in verses 1 through 7? He goes after those false gods. He goes after those false temples, and he says, get rid of all of this. He even took the idols, and he grounded them to dust. Now, sadly, if you read on, Josiah lived, he was a great king who followed the word of the Lord. And after Josiah, you would imagine those after him did the same, but they did not. They went right back to disobeying God and not worrying about his commands. We need to be like Josiah. You guys have the great privilege of knowing the word of the Lord. You have the great privilege of hearing it every day on a daily basis to the point where it becomes commonplace. But we need to be like Josiah in that when he hears it, he recognizes how important it is. And after a quick examination of his own life, he made the quick determination that said, I have not been following this, and that needs to change right now. And he went to great lengths and he took great actions to make that happen. You see there at the end, if we would have read a little bit further on, it says, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his strength, in accordance with all of the laws of Moses. Is that something that we can say, like King Josiah, that with all his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength, he followed God? Are we going through the motions? Half of our heart, half of our soul, and we just learn to put on the face and go through the motions. Or are we understanding how serious that commitment is? So action steps are necessary. What I want you to do here before you go, is we're going to wrap up. I want you to think about this. Is there something that you've intended to do but haven't? We all have those thoughts sometimes. Hey, you know, someone's going through a tough time. I should send them a note. But I don't. I don't actually go through the action of doing it. 
hey, I should pray for that person. Or we say, I'll pray for you, but you never do. I'll pray for you, and you forget about it. What have we intended to do that today we can make a new commitment that says, you know what, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to be a person of action, not just a person of thought. Think about your own spiritual growth, and we'll close on this. This does not happen by accident, people. Simply being in a Christian school, going with your, church, uh, going with your family to church on Sundays, that doesn't guarantee you're going to grow in anything spiritually. What disciplines have you actually committed to that are going to grow your faith spiritually to the point where we can say, with all of our heart, soul, and strength, we're chasing after this thing. We've seen a few examples of how people have gone to, you know, some of these world-famous athletes. They go to some great lengths. They take some, some big actions, whether it's their diet or their sleep schedule or whatever it is, to reach their goals in specific areas. No goal is more important than our walk with Christ and our relationship with Him. And our visit yesterday with BJU should have strengthened that commitment, that it's not in vain that we serve a real and risen God who is reigning on the throne now and forever. It's real. So what actions are we really going to take? Or are we just going to continue to sit in the back seat, let life happen, and just be along for the ride? You can't just be along for the ride. That, you're living accidentally. You're just letting things happen to you. You need to step up to the driver's seat. You need to take the wheel, and you need to drive. We don't live accidentally. We live intentionally. We live on purpose, meeting purposeful goals. So what I want you to think about as you leave here, I'm going to pray and we're going to go. In the next month, we'll keep it short and simple. In the next month, how can you specifically grow in your faith? How can you grow in your faith in the next month? I'm not going to give you any more guidance beyond that. Talk to your teachers if you really have no idea. I have no idea how I can grow in my faith over the next month. You should have some ideas. But if you're drawing an absolute blank, talk to your homeroom teacher. Talk to your Bible teacher. And they'll give you some ideas. And then come up with a plan for 30 days. 30 days from now, I'm going to grow in this way. I'm going to grow. Again, I'm not going to give you examples, so I'm going to stop there. 30 days from now, how are you going to grow intentionally in your spiritual life? Is that something we can do? Is that something manageable that we can do? I think it is. Let's pray, and then we'll head out to second period. God, again, we do thank you that we can open your word, that we have your word, um, and that you're not a secret to us. Um, Lord, if we come after you, we're told we will, we will find you. You don't hide yourself from us. And I pray that that's what we do. I pray that's what I do. This isn't just a message for uh, students here listening, but it's, it's for myself. And it's for the teachers here as well. The Lord, we need to be intentional about serving you. We need to be intentional about our growth in you and uh, continuing to mature as a believer and just continuing that process of 
of uh, discipling one another. We know that this growth, um, while it can happen on our own through, through study and, and prayer, uh, we know that's why you give us each other. And we can spur each other on uh, in love and good works, and we can, uh, we can sharpen each other, and we can help each other grow in our faith. So I, pl- I pray that that's, what, that that's what we are as a school, that we are a school that is committed to your word, uh, that we're committed to, to action, to not just thinking about it or, or, or hoping to follow you or hoping to, to please you in this way or that way, to live this way or that way, but that we'd actually do it, that we'd be people of action. And um, again, that you would, that you would use us uh, to do whatever you see fit for your kingdom. Where we, we got a whole room of students here uh, with... with uh, unlimited potential in the future, Lord, to, to impact the kingdom of, of God. And we pray that that's what, that's what would be done, that you'd give us all the burden to do that um, in each of our own ways. So we pray all this today, and uh, we pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, everyone. You can head out to second period.